Q&A Quest episode uh, one plus whatever our last episode was. I'm your host, go, Mike Fs, aka Wheels, I, with me as always. I thought the name sucked. Uh, criticizing my co-host on air. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, did you put up last week's episode? Looks no, like I have it. not gotten last week's episode because okay. I was busy okay. all weekend, unfortunately. Okay, well, then this is episode 225. Okay. And calling in from Japan with lunch finished and so fewer annoying chewing noises in the background, Michael Baker, Gaijiman Mokatari. Not quite none, but fewer. Yeah, fewer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, We've got questions. Actually, some new ones. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. That's a lot of dark twisted while we live in. The first one, what are you playing? Who wants to start? Um, let's see, should we start with the stuff that's on the main side or the stuff that's on the, um, on the Discord? Well, I was going to start with what we've been playing. But... Oh, okay, what we've been playing. Um, I have just made a critical moral decision in the Outer Worlds that was made a little less difficult by actually talking to a few of the people involved and realizing that even if one of them has a few negatives in her camp, the other dude is just a completely irredeemable capitalist bastard. Yeah, Uh, pretty much. Yeah. That that opening scenario really set the stage for the game quite well, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And... Just think about the more and more I play this game, the more I realize that the Emerald Vale area is basically a late stage failed socialist republic. Mm. Yeah, it feels like Eastern Europe after, um, like just pre Glasnost when everything was falling apart and nobody in charge really knew what they were doing, but they had their quotas and their plans that they had to keep following through on them. <laughs> Which is how you end up with a cannery canning a fish that does not actually exist on the planet they are doing it on and they never get the actual shipments of the fish in so they are canning literally everything else they can find and the prime deserter that they desperately want back is the flavor specialist who can make the stuff taste better so they can sell it more well listen they're proud members of the spacer's choice family yes not the best choice yeah. It's spacer's choice. It's the only choice. <laughs> but I mean, yes, and you have a you have a I mean, you have a colony where it is legally illegal to be unemployed and the company is the only employer and the company is the state, basically. <laughs> yeah, so, we've had um, corporatist nightmare uh, at that point. Yeah, I mean, it it goes so far into corporatism that it becomes a Soviet. So, uh... I mean, it's it's like they approached this. They approached Russia from the other side of the equation. It's ridiculous. Uh, We've reached the next level of company towns. The company whole state. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I mean, you, you read journal entries like, "Oh, they didn't like my proposal for Saltuna Light," and then got a response <laughs> saying, "Oh, but the idea is great. Let's just make heavier cans to make people think there's more in there," and then reassign <laughs> this idea guy to the canning factory row because they don't need his job anymore yikes mega yikes um, and the concept that 
indolence and lack of work lead to sickness. So if you have if you have whatever the current variation of influenza slash plague is, it's your fault for not working hard enough. And so they will not give you medicines unless you, they deem you an important enough employee to actually need them. Ugh. Which is why I'm very surprised that there's anybody left alive in this region anymore. <laughs> I mean, if you pay attention to the plague symptoms, they also just seem to be incredibly malnourished. Which also makes yeah. sense. Yes. So between that and the fact that they are not giving stand, I mean, even standard antivirals because it makes the workers think that, oh, there may be a problem besides not enough work. And then they sell what is effectively caffeinated methamphetamines in spray form over the counter to keep them working. Ugh. With the list of symptoms including... Um, multiple types, multiple varieties of psychosis and homicidal ideation within an acceptable set of perimeters for legal disclaimer, I think it was, something like that. And then they wonder why literally 60% of the population has turned into crazed barbarians outside the walls trying to shoot people. <laughs> Far fewer of them now because I shot all of them. <laughs> Did you not hit any of them with a large hammer? I did that a couple times. Uh, no, I usually just stayed back with uh, one of those like flame blasters and burned people to ashes. Hmm. Yeah. I love the Outer Worlds. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I'm sure that there will be some really nasty moral implications for the choice I did make, but at the same time, no, this, the town needed to die. It's true. It's true. Harsh. Uh, but yeah, so it sounds like you're having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the entire idea that the the town is built up around an industry that is not even local to its planet, and being held accountable for the failure of that industry and all the agriculture in the area when there is not enough support to actually practice the agriculture, and the only profitable profitable enterprise being the geothermal plant, which is then cut down immensely on staff and then the latest hardware update to the robots turns them all into murder bots and as a way of further further reducing the employment costs <laughs> yeah yeah this is this is all about as subtle as a mallet to the face <laughs> and I'm glad for it Yes. Salty is overrated. <laughs> yep. Did you enjoy the uh, ship's AI? Oh, yes. It's like, oh, yes, my captain is such and such. <laughs> if you're going to be my captain, my captain, I will call you such and such. Will you? Sure. Okay. Okay, captain such and such. <laughs> you can. I will move. You can, I will move on. You can keep refusing to be called that for a while, and there's lots of different extra dialogue. Just keep that saying, like, no, 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 the captain's dead. The, the threat to uh, evacuate me into outer space, and I have to point out that no, we're actually on a planet right now, and she's like, darn it. That wouldn't have worked anyway, but usually they, they believe it. <laughs> I do like the implication that this has been a string of captains. Yeah. It's, it's the Dread Captain Rob or Dread Pirate Roberts. 
Yeah. That's that's a great game. I need to pick up some DLCs eventually. Yeah. It's just it's just keeps getting more and more ridiculous. <laughs> Can't wait to yeah. see what they do it too. So, I mean, going back to the, let's compare it to the communists, we have assigned, I mean, like, work assignments that make no sense, based entirely on um, five-year plans and and perceived surpluses or deficits. It's like, hey, made by somebody, decisions made by somebody who's literally half a light year away. <laughs> or more. I'm remembering, uh... The first character that I made for this when it first launched on PC, uh, I didn't fully understand how the stat system worked, so I uh, shortchanged my perception, assuming that I could boost it back up later. And no, you cannot. So my character was just very observant. <laughs> <laughs> like any time there was a dialogue option that required perception, it was just like, no, you're you are too dense to have figured this out. Not stupid, just dense. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. What kind of character uh, decisions did you make, by the way? Hmm? What kind of character um, decisions did you make? Whatever randomly seems like a good idea at the time. Fair uh, enough. But I've been I've been mostly hitting the the um, per, um, the face type um, um, stats. Just to mm -hmm. lie, persuade, and threaten people into doing stuff. Those tend to be a lot of fun, so that's kind of what I always do. <laughs> Skipped out on a few fights that way. Did you get the two companions you can get in the on that first planet? Uh, you mean the engineering girl and the vicar? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. They both got pretty good uh, side quests associated with them as well. Yeah. I'm like, hey, dude, if you can't read French, I can. I can translate it for you, you know? But no, that does not translate to my character in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take that feat of character creation. Yeah. Oh, that would have been a fun idea, just giving them the option of actually knowing a different language. Yeah. <laughs> that's something that's pretty common in tabletop. But never... In a different life. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was just looking down the um, list of jobs for the character and was like oh sub sous chef, why not? Okay. I love the list of like weird menial uh uh jobs you can have. Yeah. And it's like oh I get a bonus to melee attacks so that's cool and it's like but wait a minute, I'm not doing melee attacks now dang it um. It's a small enough bonus you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> But then, I, but then I get to the geothermal plant and I realize that, hey, hey bullets do almost nothing against robots. So it's yeah. like, okay, pull out something that can whack them with a stick. Yes, that works much better. So what have you been playing? Well, not surprisingly, I started a new game plus of Spider-Man PS4. Oh, yeah, because your brain boils in the right now. Yes, yes. Uh, which um, is quite fun. It's quite fun to start over that game with all the extra abilities you have by the end. Uh, 
Uh, and that game is still freaking excellent. Uh, and also been playing Monster Hunter Stories, which uh, is still very good. And starting to get where the story starts to pick up, and you I get the uh, the weird looking Rathalos that is the amiibo for that game. So uh, looking forward to seeing where the story goes with that. Game is great, and seems to be selling very well. So I'm glad to see that. Uh, and I'd hope to be playing Phantom Brave on the Switch at this point, but. Um, there was a delay in uh, uh, Nissa's yeah, special editions got delayed. So, uh, but don't worry, they announced another pretty present. I know, and it yeah, con- I saw that. contains one. This one's actually kind of a bigger deal now. Yes, it contains two games. One I couldn't give two shits about, and one I am super pumped that will escape um, the PSP. Which one? Uh... ZHP, yes. Absolute Hero Project, Unloosing Ranger versus Dark Death Evil Man. Yes. It's Death Dark Evil Man, I think. It was Dark Death. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it was Death That's, Dark. Uh, site says Dark Death, so. Really? Dang it. Oh, wow. Aha! I hate that I know this. <laughs> that, uh, that game rules, and I can't wait to have that on another system. It definitely has the best villain name in all of the games. Yeah. The other one... Are you uh, prepared for... What is the other game in there? Something... Makai Kingdom. Yeah, I don't really care. Which is actually kind of a bigger deal if you didn't have the original. Oh, that's uh, right, because yeah, it's it's the PSP it's the port PSP that we It's the version that we didn't yeah. get that has more content. Yeah. That'll be the first time that's been in English. So that's cool. Uh, and the protagonist can go back to screaming about how he's going to overlord your face off. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> I will play that one, but the other game is, for me, the the all-encompassing reason to buy collection number two. Just like the first uh, one, uh, Phantom Brave is the reason to get that collection, not... Um, Soul Nomad and the World Thank Leaders. you. See? <laughs> I bought the thing, and I don't even know what game's on there. That one's much funnier to me because, again, they uh, they did not actually do seemingly any remastering work on Soul Nomad. Like uh, Phantom Brave is Phantom Brave: The Bermuda Triangle remastered. It's based on seemingly like the Wii or PSP versions nice. of the bonus content, and it's like some degree of remastering was done there. The the package labeled Soul Nomad is just. Soul Nomad in the World Eaters. No remastered, <laughs> no implication huh. that they did anything to it. But it's it's one of their rarer games, so it's nice that it's being preserved, even yeah. if I don't personally yeah. care about it. Yeah, like I don't, Kingdom, I don't care it. about some of those games because they pumped out a lot of them in the PS2 era and they weren't all they were great. They weren't all great outside of Disgaea for the most part, but like. I mean, Phantom Brave, Phantom Brave is really, really good, and so is CHP. So, and maybe it's not like the other ones aren't like absent of value or anything. I'm sure there's lots of. The Kai Kingdom elements. is weird because it's kind of the logical consequence of combining Phantom Brave and Disgaea. Yeah. Oh, that's like the, the that's. Action. That's the other one that uses like the non-grid system, right? 
Yeah, uses the circles. You don't like your character himself is turned into a book right at the beginning, so he can't really fight. He can only invite other people to fight. So I think it still uses like the Phantom Brave system where it's like this character will only be here for so long you need to make use of them now. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that's seemingly the whole sort of... Uh, but yeah, like that was kind of the only other game that did that. Uh, so if you enjoyed that system in Phantom Brave, then maybe move on. Maybe give Makai Kingdom a try. Yeah. Soul Nomad, I don't really know that much about. Yeah, I I knew it existed. That was about it. I still don't know anything about it. I've heard of people who like it, but like even when it was new, no one seemed to talk about it very yeah. much. So I know very little about it. Wondering when we're going to get uh, Prinny Presents Volume 3 that's just uh, Lakusel Tactics and... The PSP uh, version of that that we never got. <laughs> and Rhapsody of Musical Adventure. Okay. No, what we need is then to switch on to PS3 games and get a port of uh, the Guided Fate Paradox. Okay, I thought piece. for a second you were about to say Disgaea 3 because I was going to be like, dude, they're just going to sell that by itself. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that is the spiritual successor to ZHP and still one of the best like traditional roguelikes I've ever played. Highly, highly. Too bad. You are getting Granny uh, Presents Volume 4, Cladoon 1 and 2. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I keep forgetting before, there's before, two. Before, I think there's actually three, but before, for, for, for people who haven't been following for the past 10 years, before Mugen Souls was Wheels' arch nemesis, Cladden was his arch nemesis. Yes. Hey, Badais in uh, Twitch chat saying Tales of Rise is going to take over the world, which. Um, getting some pretty good reviews so we'll see i sure wish i could afford it oh well <laughs> this was not a kind month and i had to choose but i had to like viciously yeah. call what i was intending to pick up it's a busy month but, uh, i still have a a ten thousand yen bill in an envelope with the words shin megami tensei 5 written on it just that seems important in november uh, Okay. Yeah, so Prenny presents volume two featuring the wheels patrol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was surprised that they were like, there was at least a 30% chance in my mind that there would never be a Prenny presents volume two. <laughs> so, <laughs> that would be very Nipponichi. Uh, if they ever have a chance to make a second one, they will. Yeah, but it's also <laughs> true that I've happen. seen. <laughs> I've, it's also true that I've absolutely seen companies that had like collections of old games that they had the audacity to label volume one and there was just never a volume two. So it's always one of those. Uh, well, history uh, of the world part one. Say what? History of the world part one. That is not the what movie. I was thinking of because <laughs> that is not a video game nor a collection of con previously released content. Shush. Yes, it is a collection of previously released content. It's history, man. It already happened. So if we're going to go with movies, we, we need to mention National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. Yes, that's a good one. I was instead intending to reference SNK Arcade Classics Volume 1, which did not get a volume 2. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Prenny presents volume two. Maybe we'll get volume three and we also can can have the infinite uh, difficulty of trying to decide whether what to do about a package that contains Fadoon 1 and Guided Fate Paradox. Ugh. I mean, I'd have to buy it. <laughs> Which would mean you would have to own another copy of Platoon. Yes, true. but the important thing being that he's mainly paying for the one game he likes, and the second game is just like, okay, it's there, we could ignore it. Yeah, but then I can hassle him about playing it. It's probably fine because uh, NIS did not actually develop Platoon. Yay! This is developed by a company called System Prisma, it seems. Hurrah! I'm saved from garbage. Oh, I always wondered why it was called Cladden. This is a very Japanese portmanteau. Uh, Apparently, in Japan, it was classic dungeon. Nice. Very classy. So that's why it got turned into Cladden. Okay, well, that explains a great deal about that odd mini-franchise that died a cruel and unloved death. Um, let's see. Uh, as for me, as, as long as Wheels doesn't have any else, we can find it. Uh, no, that's, that's about it. Okay. Well, no RPGs for me, but often I, I would be damned if I did not bring up that I've been playing No More Heroes 3. Yeah. Which, uh, if you are concerned about the continuity and plot, should really be considered No More Heroes 4. Because Travis Strikes Again is not optional to understanding what the hell is going on mm -hmm. in this game. Uh... But yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's very, uh, it's very Suda Fifty One, and if that means anything to you, then you probably already have a fair idea of whether you care. Uh, but it's it's a very it's oozing his signature style. Uh. I've been very much enjoying it. Um, how to describe this? Uh, it's it's an interesting structural departure uh, that resembles more the first game than the second game, but like not really resembling much of either. Uh, but it's. You know, it's still recognizably no more heroes. They just move. They just rejiggered how uh, what you do between levels to be a bit more uh, traditionally action game. But then, if you decide to go off and do side missions, they just all end up being plunge toilets or uh, mow lawns. So there's still plenty of no more heroes DNA. Oh man, one of my favorite things that this entire series has done. I need, I need to bring this up because it's incredibly funny to me. Uh, 
one of my favorite things that the entire series has done is that the first game had a side job that people infamously hated uh, that consisted of Travis running around a uh, like running around essentially an empty desert and being forced to pick up scorpions <laughs> and put them in a bag and if you got stung by the scorpions, you had to drop whatever you were doing and went to one of the, like, five places that had some sort of anti-venom. <laughs> and, of course, this was miserable. This was designed to be miserable. Nothing was fun about this. Uh, in No More Heroes 2, they replaced most of the side jobs with these, like, 8-bit style mini-games uh, that were all uh, much simpler, much faster, much more fun, except Scorpion Wrangling, which was left in completely unchanged. <laughs> uh, in No More Heroes 3, uh, scorpions are now the game's collectible. You find these scorpions throughout Santa Destroy, uh, and you use them to make better... I think you're supposed to use them at the sushi somehow. I'm not sure how they're being used in the recipes, but that's what the sushi shop owner finds. But, yeah, so you just find, like, the in, in some sense, the entire world of Santa Destroy is now a skin collection. Of the <laughs> they're much less dangerous now, though, so it doesn't really matter. But it's very fun to me that, like, the, the response to people hate this was, fuck you, we'll do it again. Uh... But that's, you that's have kind all of, the scorpions. That's that's kind of what makes uh, Suda's games interesting is that he will uh, continue to make uh, decisions uh, that he finds interesting, even if the audience responds with disgust. <laughs> so, and like with given how often, like especially any mass market game is. Like, well, it wants to please the audience, so it will take pains to remove things they find like frustrating. The, you lose a lot of the surprise that comes with someone who's just like, no, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to say um, about it. Scorpions. Uh, not, not specifically the Scorpion, but just about uh, no more Euro Street. But, yeah. Uh, it, oh, yeah. And it, of course, is even more, like, indulgent in whatever things Suda personally cares about. There's a bit in... I can't remember if it's early in... If it's late in Travis Strikes Again or early in Euro since I did those, like, back-to-back. -back. But there is a bit... Uh, in one of those where he's just talking about how it must have been Travis Strikes Again because the movie wasn't out then. But basically he's talking about how excited he is that they're finally doing a movie adaptation of the Gundam novel Hathaway's Flash. Uh, and how he hopes they don't fuck it up. Uh, there's a bit, there's a recurring bit between bosses and No More Heroes 3 where he, where it's just Travis and his uh, best friend uh, collectively reviewing, uh, like, Takashi Miike films. Like, really, like, and, like, some of them are the ones that people know about in English, and some of them super, super aren't. 
let's see if I can find what this I can't remember he brings up like some sci-fi film I'd never heard of by Mikkei. Uh because like the game's plot revolves uh, aliens inv invading Earth to take it over and deciding that the way that they uh, take it over is by essentially proclaiming themselves to be superheroes. <laughs> but, uh, I'm trying to. F okay, I'm probably not going to be able to find this because Mika does like five films a year. Jeez. Uh, oh, Andromedia, that's what it was. Andromedia, which... Uh, Travis takes uh, a bit of time to say he thinks he's worth reevaluating, uh, despite having hated it when he was younger, and I can't help but think that that might have been just Suda 51's own actual opinion. <laughs> but yeah, um... But yeah, incredibly uh, self-indulgent in the way that I enjoy. Uh, I would also like to bring up that it is very, very funny to me personally that uh, Travis Touchdown is one of the only characters in video games to age in real time. Uh, uh, in the sense of in No More Heroes 1, he's like 28, I think. Uh, and that game came out in 08, and in this one, he is 41, because it's now 2021. <laughs> Which uh, means that... Uh, uh, and because of the uh, slow march of canon over the course of four games, uh, it is very weird to reckon with, like, uh, Travis Touchdown is now a married father of two whose, fa whose daughter is a VTuber and whose son is a bo Boy Scout. <laughs> Extremely strange. Weird. <laughs> but, yeah. But also incredibly funny because I believe Travis Strikes Again might actually be the first instance of the word VTuber in a commercial video game in the US. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's enough uh, rambling about heroes. Uh, it's not an RPG. It's got RPG elements, so there's actually a lot of character building elements. So. Nice. I'll, uh, I'll allow it as co as co-host of this podcast. I'll. Okay. But yeah. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's hit questions then. Okay. Are any of them about Spider-Man? No. No. Uh, disappointing. I'm not sure going to the why you'd have expected comments. them to be. Uh, what were you thinking? I was going to say going to the recent comments. <laughs> Had a comment on episode 222, Enter the Spider-Verse. So, um, or Shadowverse. Um, where... Uh, um, audience member Batikald was uh, commenting on the sounds of eating. I am very sorry, dude. I apologize. I made sure I had lunch finished before we started today. Yeah. yeah. 
Th- thanks for pointing it out, though. It's always good to know when some, one of our habits like, yes. is encroaching on the sound quality. Yes. If um, anything is ever wrong with the podcast, please yell at me. Thank you. Also, like, that doesn't uh, mean I'll fix it, but please yell at me. <laughs> well, that that takes on a weirder tone when you say you won't fix it, but you. I didn't. Yell I didn't okay. say I won't fix it. I said it doesn't mean I will fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there may also be a mild change in my audio quality in the coming weeks as I work out how to use a microphone I've been sent. So maybe that will be slightly less terrible. Yeah. Yay. Um, moving on to episode 223's comments. Got some crawl comments. Yeah. So the first one. Crawl, what dormant series or one-off game would you most like to see a new entry in? Oh, man. I think I know where we all, what Wheels is going to say. Uh, I don't, actually. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Resonance of Fate. Oh, well, I wouldn't have immediately gone to that. Oh, well, he's one-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want Residence of Fate, too. <laughs> or just one remastered on Switch. Thank you. Please and thank you, Sega. And Trace, thank you. I'm just trying to think of which one-offs I've played that actually deserve a good sequel. Well, you could think of one that had potential that didn't fulfill it. could be better in a sequel. Yeah. Anything here? No, no. I mean, some of the ones I'm thinking of are just so good completed as they are. That oh, sequel, I mean, a direct sequel wouldn't work, and an indirect sequel you might as well just make a different game. Mm-hmm. But you know, let's say Chrono Trigger. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, something better than the fan fiction whatever of the of Chrono Cross. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if the hornet's nest would get kicked, but there. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna do it, go big. Yeah. Might as well, might as well. I mean, um, seriously, if you go down a checklist of every issue you can have with poorly thought out fan fiction, Chrono Cross hits most of them. Yeah, down to I didn't go back and rewrite these chapters, but they don't make sense anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, Chrono Trigger. We, let's all go back and try to get Chrono Break made. That'll be the the plot of Chrono Trigger uh, 2 will actually be about going back in time to get Chrono Break made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, I guess the biggest fanfiction bit that I was really annoyed with with Chrono Cross was that how they had to go out of their way to find a way of eliminating the original cast of characters from Chrono Trigger. Yeah, that was gross. Remember that time that you get to watch Robo's brain get deleted? Yeah. And when I don't think I saw that. Them, thanks for yeah. thanks for letting me know that's, that's in happened. there. That's gross. That's in the lost yeah, um yeah. when I mean the story itself would have made so much more sense if it just happened to be on another planet affected by Lavos. Mm. I mean, they did not have to put it on the same planet as Chrono Trigger at all. And, that's like um, weirdly wrapped up in like really tangential concepts in Chrono Trigger in that weird way that you get when it's like someone who's really obsessed with a very specific bit of minutia. Yep. <laughs> like I said. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you, you just sometimes see this in major 
spin-offs of popular series or games or books or whatever. Um, I mean, I let I, I didn't actually read it. I read the, the synopsis for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and it hit most of the same marks. Yeah, kind of. Uh, in terms of this did not need to be made, and why are we put shoehorning um, time travel into it to make it work? Well, that involves time travel? What? Yeah, don't look for it. Do I want to know? <laughs> no. No, you don't. Not really. I mean, but that's a common thing with certain fan, um, like wish, wish fulfillment fan fiction, where they not only take like one event or one portion of the original and take it in a drastically different direction, they find some way of shoehorning time travel in so they can go back and retroactively I make their so. version of reality. After that. Yeah. So, um, and considering Chrono Cross's strange, very back burner, lack of focus on um, Janus and Shala from the first game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could think of so many ways you could really seriously improve that game without actually changing much of the setting. Mm. But it would require a lot of rewrites on the the dialogue of the plot and probably reducing the actual active cast of characters down to six or seven or party members <laughs> there were just too many characters in that game mm-hmm uh, Marty Lou uh, I'm just looking at uh, yeah the writer of and director was apparently not uh, Involved with whatever plans were made for Chrono Break. Probably fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as for. Okay. Okay, so I think this also kind of impinges on the second half of Carl's question of what belongs in the past and should be left there. Yeah, I was actually going to list my own before we moved on. But... Uh, Breath of Fire. Oh, okay, okay. Belongs sorry, sorry. Uh, what, was, what was your. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. It's, it's it's all fine. Uh, this this is one that maybe should be uh, left alone, but I would like to see a new generation and a new team take a crack at a new Brandia game. Mm. That would be good. I feel like the the general like uh, I, I would like to see a new attempt to like take up the mood and tone of Brandia one in particular, but you know. I, I think that there's there's room for like even the the, the original creator is long past, so I think it, there's reason to like it would be nice to see another team made up of like some of the old team and a bit of fresh blood try to see what they can do with the IP. Yeah, add in Skies of Arcadia on the side there just because it's a very similar. Same, yeah. <laughs> uh... Of one of the Skies of Arcadia like creators is constantly trying to hustle another one out, <laughs> get convinced Sega any way they can. So someone wants to. Budai says Saga games should be left in the past. Uh, it's Budai probably be, probably for my Breath Budai of Fire Arcadia comment. Well, I mean, yeah, that's never going to happen just because Kalazu is still high up in Square Enix. And... No, I'm just saying he just he only said that because I have my Breath of Fire comment. I don't think he actually thinks that. He might actually think that. Okay, it's true. He may actually think that. Yeah. 
Well, okay, yeah. well, I was saying that Unlimited Saga probably should be left in the past. Yes, um, yes. And yet they won't. <laughs> it, it certainly will not, and they probably will not make any of the necessary massive, massive structural changes necessary to make it playable for most people. But It will probably be made more convenient. It will probably not be made fun. Yeah, well, I mean, part of the lack of fun in that game was the inconvenience of trying to figure out what the heck you're doing. There will be many tutorials. Some of the more complicated aspects will be made. Uh, They'll just direct obnoxious. people to the two-part video about how magic works. Which <laughs> ends each 45 minutes Which <laughs> ends with the conclusion that it's not actually that useful, despite all the steps you have to do to get it. <laughs> Or the, oh, beautiful. Or the, or the practically required reading FAQ on Game Facts that is literally novel length. Yes. Uh, I love it. Complete nonsense. Absolute dog shit. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as for the series itself, I mean, Scarlet Grace had its quirks, but it proved to be a pretty popular game anyway. So. Yeah, even among people who don't normally like the games. So. Yeah. So, I mean, the series has legs, still, somehow. Yeah. I mean, in part because it's never the same thing twice. I know. Like, it's very easy to be a fan of a Saga. And not all Saga games. <laughs> I, know, uh, I know a guy that basically only likes Saga Frontier 2. Okay, that's a good game. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I, I think that that's, you know, something that's not that weird, but which gets kind of treated as weird sometimes. It's like, it's very easy to just like one game in a series. Um, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, things best left in the past. Um, I mean, I, I probably would have had, like, something ridiculous like Hoshio Mirohito. <laughs> well, that did just get re-released, and so was not allowed to be left in the past. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just about a year ago. But yeah, yeah. a bit over a year ago. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, a fairly already, recent re-release. I on the site, and it's like, okay, what's the difference between this and playing Xena Reborn? It's like, well, I mean, there's a difference between having the, like, the vague dread of, that the game won't be good versus actively walking into a dumpster fire to see all the pretty colors. Yeah. Like, no no reasonable human being is playing Hoshio Mirohito as anything other than, like, a weird form of, like, virtual rubbernecking. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I even said the only reason I would ever, ever uh, recommend it to anyone is the same reason why I would recommend them watching the films of Ed Wood if they were, like, into cinematography. You can uh, learn a lot by how people mess things up. Yeah. And ooh, boy, did that game mess things up. <laughs> ooh, yeah. boy. It's, it's one of the, like... <laughs> oh, good. Uh, looking at... I was Googling around for the Famicom, uh, what are traditionally considered the four heavenly kings of Kusovia. And I somehow ended up with the Mega Drive once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, funky Horror Band, Sword of Sodan, Osamatsukun, uh, and uh, Harimanada. 
The only one of those I know well is Osamatsukun, and that one is mostly known for the fact that uh, the creator of the manga was so furious at it that he threw an ashtray at the director's head. <laughs> That's an extremely bad Mega Drive game, and it was one of the launch titles in Japan. One of three. <laughs> There's a reason the Mega Drive did not take off in Except possibly as a projectile. <laughs> <laughs> well, first you turn it into an ashtray, and then you can throw it at people. Yeah. Hoshio Miruhito probably should be left in the past, except for like archaeologists. <laughs> but there's like yeah. a weird like fondness for enshrining certain like really legendary foods. Okay, you get like Spelunker, which just keeps getting released. Why? Yeah, Why? Hey, I, I follow Wordwad on Twitter, and he was showing off his collector's edition Spelunker for Switch. Oh god! <laughs> oh, me not that Spelunker online. Yeah, with with figurine and everything, and it's like this is so so word word uh so yes one of my favorite uh japanese streamers uh spent like 12 hours streaming uh atlantis nonato like half a year ago mm -hmm. and the most horrifying thing is that after completing it proceeded to play it again off stream <laughs> And anyone who has ever seen or touched Atlantis Nonato understands how insane that is. Yeah. Some people just like trash. Um, let's see. But like to, to take this maybe in the spirit of something that people might actually ask for uh, sequels to. Probably the Xeno games before Xenoblade are probably best left in your memory. And yeah. the occasional people I see asking for sequels are like, you, nah, just like Xenoblade is probably the best place the series could have gone. <laughs> oh no, I mean, Xenosaga 1 and 2 for DS, that'd be fun. Mm hmm. Uh, I don't think a Xenosaga 4 would be for Yeah. <laughs> I mean, weren't there wasn't there originally planned for three more games? Uh, well, in that outline, Geno Saga one through three were only one game. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. I forget which developer I'm talking about, don't I? Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. like that was the that was the Xenogears Perfect work Xeno timeline that. Uh... Outlined like six games with Xenogears as part five. Uh, the events that are described that happen in Xenosaga seem to map closest to episode two. <laughs> episode one seems to have been the opening cutscene of Xenosaga one. <laughs> <sighs> also, I would like to just ask because Wheels is playing one. Alliance. Why is this character just dropping fidget spinners on people? Uh, it's the wasp, so she's throwing a fidget spinner in the air and then making it gigantic. Why? Using, okay, no, what? No, no, Using Hank Pym's tech? Shrinking it in I, I guess. Yes. I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. Listen, the only thing I know about Hank Pym is that he's like a, an abuser, that's it. That he's a what? <laughs> an abuser, that's it. Is he? What? 
Well, Wasn't he the one that... Yeah, there was a particular story arc in one of the Avengers comics back like in the '90s where he was a drunk. Oh, leader. okay. Yeah. Um, and the character has never lived on that which timeline and universe we're talking about. A lot of people just kind of lightly ignore that particular arc. It's probably um, best. But that's also probably why he's not the Ant Man in the movies. Probably. He's in the movies, but he's not the protagonist of the movies. Right. Well, I mean, he's the old Ant Man. The character in the movies is not a wife beater either. Um, yeah, but it's no, one I... of those things where it's like they don't want to bring up that as the protagonist of their movie because then, like, it suddenly becomes like the pro. It, it just it makes the Google searches bad. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I mean, the fact that they actually had two separate Ant Man characters available. Yeah, that, that helped them a lot. Have a lot of fun with the origin stories of one or the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a case of working with what you can manage and mm. I think people ignore the rest. I mean, and we're, we're also talking about the original timeline where uh, M was the creator of Ultron. Mm. Uh, that's right. Ma mainly because for that section of the comic book's run, uh, Iron Man was completely out of the picture. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of a C-tier hero for a very long time. Yeah. But, so, um, but I mean, if we get into the details of com of American comic book canon, we'll be here for decades. So, let's, let's talk about the superior Spider-Man. Nope. Uh... <laughs> Did you not hear what I said? No. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, one more day. Things that belong no, oh, no, no. aren't whatever we'll be talking about. Um, okay, the, the only thing I will say is that when there were first rumors of Doctor Octopus for the third Spider-Man movie, my first reaction was, "I hope they are bringing back the Marriage of Aunt May line. Oh god! Oh man! Because. I would oh, just so love to see them try to redeem that plot line in some way, especially since Aunt May is not, like, yeah. physically decrepit. They're uh, it, it actually just going to bring back this... This time. They're actually just going to bring back the trouble plot line, and if anyone knows what that is, I'm sorry. No, they're doing one more day so they can finally get Mephisto into the MCU, so people will shut okay. up. So we're done with this now. Yes. Um, oh, I was—I just want to say that uh, I don't like One More Day. It made me uh, stop reading Spider-Man comics for about five years. So there's that. I mean, that was just—just yeah. just so we're clear. Yeah. That okay, storyline well, anyway, is ass. Other question here. Yes. So Carl's other question was: Is Game Pass going to get the Xbox traction in Japan at last? And I made a request on Discord previously for a proper reaction to this. Do you remember, Wheels? No. I asked that we observe a moment of hysterical laughter. So Okay, got that out of my system. Okay, so Krull, um, just because you asked, um, over the last five days or so, I have visited four different, actually five different major retailers and a couple of uh, secondhand stores just to see what Xbox items they might have in stock. Um, <laughs> of the major retailers, um, some of the biggest electronic stores on the island, 
the only Xbox items you could find were the little uh, um, the little cards for Xbox Game Pass or or store points for online purchases. Yeah, there are I, no I don't for sale. There are no systems for sale. There are there is no space anywhere in the store for any of these things. You can't um, get one of these unless you specifically go seeking it out. <laughs> uh, even then, it takes a while. Um, the, yeah. Aside aside from the little little electronic credit card things that you could buy um, that were hanging along with the Steam cards, the Google um, Google Play, PlayStation Store, Nintendo, whatever. The only I actually did send you this picture wheels. Um, the only sign of any Xbox presence in any of these stores was one section of shelf where they needed to make it look less empty, so they put up the old um, signboards for different systems. <laughs> um, let's see, what was it? Uh, started with PlayStation Vita at the top, PlayStation 3, Wii U, Xbox One, and then the new Nintendo 2DS LL. All in a row. And only one of these five is actually available for sale in that store. Mm. That being the new Nintendo 2DS LL. Yeah, that would be the one I would expect. <laughs> so after searching and searching, I finally found exactly one Xbox One available for sale in my immediate area. It was at the used video game store I usually go to. It was priced at, I think, 28,000 yen, so about maybe $250 or so. And um, it was a one terabyte model, apparently. Hmm. And um, its price tag was about average for a um, for an inbox never used Switch. Which there are quite a few more on the stock. Hmm. Um, to find any games for this, um, the Xbox One and Xbox 360 games were on one very small shelf in the back of the games area of this store. Uh, the PlayStation Vita section was three times larger. Yeah. Um, this was the only place I could find Xbox anything games. Yeah. Um, so to answer, to actually answer Cole's question with anything besides hysterical laughter, um, if you're going to have traction in Japan, you need to have a you need to have boots on the ground to have mm. traction. And mm. Xbox does not have that. Xbox has not had that for years at this point. Yeah, there's not even really a presence on the stage. There is like zero presence. Um, I mean. The uh, like the DS has a greater presence in the stores still than this game than the system. Even even some of the current uh, like the the toy store at the at the shopping center down the road from me still has a couple D old DS games in it. Hmm. Yeah. We could look uh, so basically, the only game systems I can think of that have less of a presence in shelf space than Xbox 360 and Xbox One are Wonder Swan, MSX, and a few other like incredibly <laughs> obscures. So. Yeah. yeah, there is never going to be attraction for this system or this entire family of systems in Japan. There we go. 
Now, for other interesting observations from visiting these stores, uh, guess what else was not actually available in any of the big retailers? PS5? Any guess? PS5 and PS4. Oh, wow. There were no systems available for sale for either of those, but they did have a space on the shelf saying, we are trying to order them in. Hmm. Yeah. I think Sony's like really dialed back on PS4 production for obvious reasons, but also the uh, PS5, they're still just routing to every other territory. Good luck. I, I thought I saw like a news article a week or two back saying that they were having supply issues with some of the components. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to happen uh, with any current system at this stage, especially given now. Yeah. So, um, remember a lot being made of the fact that Nintendo Switch managed to make a clean sweep of the ratings, uh, the sales rankings, back at the first half of August? Yeah. This would be why. Mm-hmm. Yep. What else are you going to buy? <laughs> and I've been, I've been trying to keep track, and for like the two or three weeks before that clean sweep, they were still doing like 27 or 28 out of 30. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, still doing about that. Tales of will probably be, like, the big other thing on the charts in the next week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, two weeks before the clean sweep, it was Utawara de Mono that had mm-hmm. two different versions on the sales rankings. That was the only reason it was 28 out of 30. Um, a week before that, it was um, The World Ends With You. Had its PlayStation 4 version hit the sales rankings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and cut, like two other games I don't remember. Um, but yeah. Like uh, a perfunctory game will show up that is like the, the biggest release of that week for that system. Yeah. But just a casual look at the current game industry sales and whatever in Japan, um, it's pretty obvious who won this gaming generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least currently. Because um, this is. This is a level of market dominance that we have not seen since the introduction of the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> coming, coming right after the complete collapse of the previous game console industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a thing that Budai asked in the chat that I don't want to completely get lost. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Which will score higher, SMT5 or Tales of Rise? I think SMT5, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It'll be the... I mean, Tales... Tales is, what, um, as a series, is just very much dependent on its tropes. So it's, mm-hmm. you're less likely to get something truly original out of a Tales game, even if it's really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just, like, prone to more, like... Uh just sort of pacing issues or more flawed concepts that um, or being 20 hours too long although i guess that fits that's under what pacing issues is. yeah. yeah whereas yeah. we have no idea what megaton's going to be like a megaton game is going to be like but we know it's going to be weird and this one is giving me a lot of more uh, nocturne vibes yeah, yeah that seems to be part of why they uh, re-release nocturne right before yeah um i mean just the the things that they have chosen to focus on with the promotional trailers, mm-hmm. it's it's not so much that they're focusing on characters, it's that they're, that they're focusing on philosophical factions. Mm-hmm. 
effectively. And that's mm. something that was really big in Nocturne. So this hopefully will be a return to the let's have some very interesting moral quandaries version of Megaton. <laughs> um, the guy says press turn again, yawn. Yeah, that's that's just that's just how they are. Yeah, and, yeah. That's I most mean, RPGs. We've, had, that we've had a million Dragon Quest games with basically the same. Million Dragon Quests, million tales of really. Yeah. Um, they mostly settle into one kind of combat system and sort of keep going. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah. Murder Ultron. <laughs> wow. I mean, at least press, the press turn system is good for. Keeping an like interaction with the player, so you actually have to pay attention to what you're choosing at times and timing and things. It's also very good at uh, just forcing you to like the press turn exists. Uh, continues to persist in part because it forces a certain kind. Of, it interacts well. Uh, the way that S say what? A stimulus. Well, no, I was going to say it interacts well with the way that the game forces you to build characters and demon. Like press turns are good for forcing you to diversify your uh, combat strategy in a very specific way that the SMT games want to encourage. So the entire design philosophy of the series is better uh, communicated to both new and old players by how the press turn system rewards the player and what it's choosing to reward. Maybe I'll write something about that later. Um, but yeah. Uh, we should probably hit Fire Miner's new questions for the record. Yep. Okay, uh, so from our podcast Discord channel. Yep. Speaking of launch games, does anyone still remember Genji for the PS3? I own it. Yeah, had the developers ironed things out like the camera, it would have been would it would have received a much better reception than, say, Heavenly Sword. Hmm. I'd say that's plausible. Uh, I mean, that was never going to happen because Sony wanted a like action launch game that they themselves were publishing. But yeah, I'm trying uh, to remember. Was this the game that um, when they were this is Giant Enemy Crab? Yes, um, the presenter was going on about how like realistic and grounded it was. Yeah, no, that was E3 2006. Giant Crab. Yeah, this is the Giant Enemy Crab game. And and so this is where we got the expression "hit weak point for massive damage." Yeah, flip it over and attack its weak point. The massive damage came from that, as did uh, actually takes based on real battles that actually took place in ancient Japan. So here's this giant enemy crab. It's, uh, huh. it's a really, it's an incredibly awkward. To, to be fair, it was a Heikei Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's there's some lost context just in ver by virtue of the fact that. Uh, this is uh, very specifically based on a specific bit of legend slash yeah. literature. Yeah. That was the Heike, yeah. But yeah. Um, also, Budai asks if this is set to alter or something. Uh, I believe he's talking about your difficulty. Uh, <laughs> it's on hard, as you would expect. Of course it is, because you're real. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think it was an interesting game. The pedigree behind it is actually pretty interesting. And also people, at this point, probably anyone who remembers it, probably forget that it was actually a sequel. 
To uh, what? Huh? What? A sequel to what? Kenji, Genji Dawn of the Samurai for uh, PS2. Okay. But, yeah, uh, it was a late PS2 uh, game. Uh, yeah, like late to, uh, mid to late 2005. September 2005 in the US. Uh, and it was designed by a little company called uh, Game Republic, who, which was founded by uh, a guy who you might not know the name of, but you probably played at least something he worked on. He worked on Yoshiki Okamoto. Uh, Yoshiki Okamoto was a uh, real old hand at Capcom. Uh, helped work on things like, uh, well, at first, uh, he, he moved into like the producer role. He was kind of the, uh, the one who was making decisions about what got made and like how, that sort of thing. Uh, very early, like, uh, apparently the last game he directed at Capcom was the arcade version of the Willow movie adaptation games. Hmm. But, like, he was the director on some of a ton, a ton of Capcom's earliest games, like 1942, Song Song, Side Arms, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, he was the one who technically headed up uh, not quite a Capcom subsidiary called Flagship, who did a lot of their late 90s uh, work. But yeah, like Yoshiki Okamoto, kind of a huge guy. Uh, notably, before Gen before going to Game Republic to make Genji, Flagship was one of the key development players on the Onimusha games. So in a lot of ways, Genji was uh, the successor to Onimusha. Uh, but yeah, it's... Yeah, it makes perfect sense when you see it through that lens. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ga uh, Game Republic, uh, after uh, Genshi Days of Blight, kind of never recovered. Uh, I believe they've lost a shit ton of money on uh, a few different things. They made like a they were working on like a Clash of the Titans game that uh, were based on like the most recent attempt to turn that into a movie that sold like shit. And a few other things that just sold horribly. Like they made a launch Xbox 360 game in Japan that just did not happen <laughs> because it was a launch Xbox 360 game. But, uh, and most recently, Okamoto got himself out of that horrible bit by. Uh, creating things like Monster Strike, and yeah, that that's kind of what kept him from being essentially in depth. Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably the most successful game he's ever made. Then. Yeah, because on just on most people's resume, that would be the most successful game they've ever made. It's kind of nice. I mean, it's kind of what turned Mixie from being a social media platform to being a video game developer. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, that game just kind of swallowed up their entire social media attempt and spat it out. Because, I mean, at that, at that point, it's like, 
you might as well go with the thing that's a huge success rather than keep pushing at this original idea you had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the life story of Yoshikima Okamoto and the kind of sad thing that Genji played uh, did to him. But yeah, it was, it was kind of sad what happened there. But I'm glad that he's not in massive paralyzing debt. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think Genji Days of the Blade actually ends with a sequel hook, because I don't think it finished Tale of the Heike, so... Yeah, uh, but we're never going to see that event. Don't worry, though. Someone else will make a Heike game sometime in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe get some good Tomoe Gozen action in there. So, uh, did, did you ever hear the the story of how Tomoe Gozen left the this tale of the Heike? No. Her exit was. Okay, so for reference, Tomoe Gozen is one of the few um, cr um, the few uh, female samurai warriors credited in literature in Japan. She was <laughs> also the persona for the kung fu girl character in Persona. Yeah, I was about to bring up the uh, Chie from Persona. Yeah, Force. Persona is Tomoe. Tomoe. So, um, so Tomoe Gozen was a samurai warrior who fought alongside her husband in battle against the the, um, the uh, Genji clan, and during during the civil war there. And at one point, her clan's uh, battle group was cut off and isolated, and uh, basically, it's like fifteen or twenty of them, uh, her, her husband, and a bunch of other samurai just caught by the enemy army and so they were they knew they were all going to get executed but the enemy um, commander decided to have leniency on her because she was um, the wife she was the woman and said mm. that she could go so she left at full speed on her horse with a pole arm leaving behind the heads of two of the genji warriors in her like um, she decapitated nice. two warriors on her way out. Um, nice. Yes, and after that, she retired to a mountainside and became a nun for the rest of her life, uh, in accordance to the legend. So, which is something that widows often did in that period, apparently. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm done here. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, uh, the feudal Japanese equivalent of a mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you have to go out, leave some bodies behind. Yeah, yeah. You'll be very memorable that way. <laughs> yep. So, but, okay, actually this goes into Fire Miner's next bit. Uh, why has the frantic hack and slash genre gotten slower in these last few years? Uh, I don't think the games themselves have typically gotten slower so much as I, I assume what he means is just that people don't make that many of, as many of them. And I think I'm pretty sure that's what he means because it says like he misses the excuse me he misses the times when small developers did their own takes on the genre. Yeah, I think the answer is just that like as much as I love the genre, it's just not that popular. Like it's not unpopular, but like it's hard to have a breakout hit that's in this genre and like. It's, it's like a plug, plug, plug. I did a, I did like a sort of essay on my Patreon about 
why Devil May Cry games don't have you play as Dante very much anymore, and the answer is that it's actually really hard to teach a new player how to play these kinds of games. And, like, a complicated character like Dante is a problem for teaching new players, because he's got too many options. But, uh, in general, um, like, this kind of genre game is not that popular. Uh, there's, it's, the people who do buy it are generally well served by big players. It's an expensive kind of game to make, because it relies a lot on set pieces, bespoke content, and really, uh, like... I was, about to, I was about to ask what the economic buy-in was for a studio trying to make these games. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's hard to make this kind of game. Like, because essentially your character, your, your core character design has to have the complexity of a fighting game character. But also be... More than a fighting game character. Yeah, it, it depends, but like, yeah, like you'll get someone like uh, Nero in Devil May Cry 5, and he's got essentially the equivalent of Ryu's number of options, but then, like I mentioned, Dante in Devil May Cry 5 has like three characters worth of options in him. But yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot, um, keeping them interesting is hard, uh, like, making them a satisfying life where players don't complain that they're short is hard because yeah like it, it's it's just it's a lot of investment you have to really want to make that kind of game and i think that for a lot of like i think a lot of companies that would have made that kind of game are currently working on indie beat-em-ups which have seen kind of resurgence uh which are expected to be simpler, more competitive. They're easier to sell to people. They're a smaller economic buy-in. Uh, and, you know, like the small-scale companies, they're perfectly fine making that. Larger-scale companies, I mean, Capcom will keep making Devil May Cry games because each and they want to keep each and on the payroll and he wants to make them. But, uh, like, the, the, or like, Platinum games, like, that's the kind of game Deki Kamiya wants to make. But, uh, with, uh, as for other companies trying to bust into it, it's like, companies try to bust into markets that seem like they're expanding. And, like, I wouldn't say that this kind of, uh, action game is contracting, but it's not getting any bigger. It's very stable. So. Which means the big players are going to keep making more in that their particular IPs and everyone else is mm. going to have an uphill battle to compete against the big ones. Mm. But hey, if you want another game like this, uh, No More Heroes 3 is pretty good. Simpler than most, but good. Um, let's see. Okay, so next part. Uh, the same question could be asked of the 3D collectathon action platformers with simple combat mechanics. So do you think a Rift Apart is successful enough for more developers to take another shot at this genre? For the record, that's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, that's... Like, the thing is that I don't think Ratchet and Clank's uh, success or failure amounts to a hill of beans for most, uh, like, companies who have long since sort of written this genre off. Because, I mean, like... They, they, like most other companies would see Ratchet and Clank's success the same way they see Mario's success. The company behind the IP is established enough, and the company behind it is strong enough that it will sell. 
even in a genre that it is assumed people don't buy. Uh, for for companies to like take notice of a resurgent interest in uh, 3D platformers, I hate the term platforms, but uh, 3D platformers, for people to take a resurgence uh, of that seriously it would have to be a game that no one has heard of yet. <laughs> uh, if something like, say, uh, Ukulele or A Hat in Time had been just a wild hit. Like, both of those made their money back and did fairly well, but if both, if one of those had been a wild monster hit, then you would have seen companies strike green lights. But, like, companies don't trust these. They do not... Uh, they don't like putting a lot of money behind them. The few times that someone manages to use their clout to get them to happen, you get things like Balan Wonderworld, which is clearly put out, like, a year too early. Uh... It's it's just yeah I I don't know uh, what would actually be uh, I I think the best hope for this genre would be if Psychonauts two were to become a monstrous hit which it's it's not it's it's doing well for itself seemingly. People like it. It's a Game Pass game, but like it's it's digital only in its Game Pass game, which makes it kind of hard to determine. Well, it's uh, also how on, well it's isn't it also on PS4? Yes, but it is digital only. Yeah, that's true. Which makes it difficult to measure how well it's actually doing. Uh, but yeah, like if that had also been a monster hit, that might have managed it as well. Um, like it, it needs to be something that the assumption is to be. Uh, intellectual property behind it is not strong enough to carry it by itself. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my opinion. I don't think anyone else feels strongly enough about this to say otherwise. <laughs> Uh, Tam is in the chat, and he says it has to be the Hades of the platforming genre. Yeah, kind of. Although Hades is already in a genre that's healthy, but yeah, like Hades probably got more companies to examine it because it was such a groundswell. Okay. Okay, ready to move on? Oh, man. I... Yeah. It's oh, Hawkeye. This? Yay. Everyone's oh, favorite Avenger. Hawkeye, and he looks like some... One at a cosplay convention. <laughs> oh, so is it like MCU Hawkeye or is it the garish purple costume Hawkeye? It's, it's neither. It's kind of both. <laughs> oh, okay. He's got yeah. He's in purple, but he doesn't have like the purple mask. Yeah, but he does have a mask. Yeah. Also, this is this. I'm just looking at an Ultraman episode now. Yeah, pretty much. This just turned into Ultraman, and I I welcome it. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, so continuing then. Hawkeye joins the alliance and will not not be added to this party at any point in time. <laughs> but he will he will be on the health insurance, so that's enough for him. Uh, but you were saying, Gaijin. Okay, well to to try and continue with Fire Miners. Um, Five-part mm -hmm. post here. Uh, part four. 
Speaking of the PlayStation 2, which old consoles do you still keep? <laughs> so for, for him, apparently, he, he keeps... He, only keeps his PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, Wii U, 3DS, and PlayStation Vita. Okay, no, different use of the word only. Okay, he only the only reason he keeps them is because they're hacked and can play almost anything. Uh, yeah. And he says that his PlayStation 2 is pretty much just a light gun machine. It's a lot of good PS2 and PS1 light gun games. That was kind of their last term. I mean, I've still got my PlayStation 2 and 3 in mothballs in the closet, but I don't use them because mainly... Uh, you know, small children, lack of time to really be um, spent in front of a TV screen for me, and the fact that my TV is mostly taken up with replays of Where's Waldo at this point. This is always why we're happy whenever something gets part of the Switch. <laughs> exactly, yes, very much so. But yeah, um, Disney Junior over here has just started showing the DreamWorks series Where's Waldo, the more recent one. Huh. Um, like new episodes every week, and my two-year-old is just in love with this series. So are they using the name Waldo? Well, I mean, if it's if we had it in Japanese, it would be Wally Osagase. Mm. Um, they use Wally for the Japanese title. Yeah, I was but, thinking. But since it's a DreamWorks production made in America, the English translation is Waldo. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. It did always, like, weirdly upset me to find out that uh, it's not Waldo elsewhere, but for some reason the evil version of Waldo is still called Oblong. Yeah. Something off-putting about this. <laughs> I don't know where he came from, where it actually came from to begin with. Yeah. Uh, it was it was created by a British artist. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a bunch of systems essentially sitting in a closet waiting to, waiting to be called into action at a given moment. But those, a lot of them are just sort of there on like, uh, in case that, like, my, my personal, like, ideal world is that I have an EverDrive optical drive emulator for, like, essentially just a wild slate of old consoles. Cause it's yeah. like, I just want to be able to play the games that on them accurate to how they were released yeah just can you look on that them. optical drive installation uh i haven't started yet because i want to prep like the sd card for the thing first oh that makes sense so i gotta get that all set again but, yeah if you ever get magically gave me a billion dollars in the bank the first thing i would do after investing heavily uh would be to set up a trust fund to just curate and archive every video game ever mm -hmm. properly so. <laughs> gotta gotta get on that before a bunch of like weird old pc88 games disappear yeah well i know it's already a lost cause for several of these things but still yeah. it's yeah there's just so much random stuff out there yeah have a measure of respect for people who hold on to their nes and Genesis for so long yeah i've still like Kicking around my parents' house waiting to be sent up when I've got more space is an NES and a Genesis. Yeah, I finally got rid of those. 
I, I, I mean, I eventually sold off my Super Nintendo and old PlayStation stuff in America um, last visit home just because... Um, they're just, you're never going to take them. And, like, they're I, just I could never space. take them back with me. I wouldn't have been able to play them if I did. They were just taking up space in the closet at my parents' house. And honestly, I feel much better knowing that someone out there is enjoying them more than I could. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Holding on to something for its own sake ain't really worth it. Yep. I mean, I've got shelves but... of DS games over here that I really should sell back sometime, but I just enjoy looking at them at, and just remembering the games sometimes. <laughs> And that can of course, be my It's also bizarre enough that I can actually, I mean, I've participated in backtracks for this website where I hadn't actually played the game for five to ten years and I could still hold conversations on it. Um, <laughs> my, I do not have a normal type of memory for these mm. things. Uh. Uh, yeah, and I think that answered Wheels as part of the question as well. Like you, I think, mentioned that you'd sold off some old stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, I still have like PS3 and like newer stuff. I've DS's, 3DS's, uh, stuff like that, but much older than that, no, not really. I mean, I have the Saturn. Uh, I gotta get use out of that. Yeah, I got, just got rid of my PS2 recently because, uh, eh. And heck, I have a, that's one of the ones I want an ODE for. There's yeah. so many weird, dumb PS2. Well, for that, I just was able to hack a PS3 and... I can just play him on there now. Now you can play Space Fisherman. <laughs> yeah, at, at this point, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm ever going to invest in a sit-down gaming system ever again. That's true. Just, yeah. yeah. I just want Wheels to think about Space Fisherman. I don't know what that is. Do I want to know that what was, that is? That was a Japan-only, uh, like Sony published fishing game set in space with self-dated bits. <laughs> it's an extremely Sony of Japan in 2002 game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even something like The Outer Worlds, the ability to just turn off the side. side. Yeah. I don't have a lot of time to sit down with anything. Um, game related so it's like okay play 10 minutes at a time here and there yeah it really really helps like the make the game more convenient to play it's like the best mm -hmm. lesson you could have taken from how far the market's changed over the years it's why the system i finished the outer worlds on was the switch even though i had it free access to it on pc and xbox Just easier to play it there. Yeah. Yeah. That runs us out of our current questions. I mean, there was one last item here that. Oh yeah, that seems very important. And dovetails into maybe an ending thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we're we're about at the end of our time. I'm guessing it's like it's. Almost 2.30 p.m. over here. What time is it over there, dude? 1.20. Uh, for wheels, it's almost... Uh, for wheels, it's almost two, uh, 1.30, I think. Yeah. It's half past bedtime for wheels. Okay, <laughs> so I guess it's time to do the weekly plug. And this brings it up nicely. Yeah, so... So, uh, Fire Miners, last comment of the day. 
I finished the 10th princess book. I've been giving it to my niece so that she could practice English. She doesn't really get Dungeons and Dragons, but she seems to like novels enough. I'm very happy to hear that. I'm kind of curious um, as to how she's doing studying English with some of those books, considering my interesting approach to spelling and accents for some characters. <laughs> um, specifically the now see swashbucklers with the official canonical world's worst French accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Abigail. laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it gets, it, I've had some very interesting conversations in these stories where characters are trying to figure out what this other character just said. Um, that honestly probably uh, helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm glad that you are enjoying them. I hope that your niece is enjoying them. Um, I hope that you continue to keep enjoying them. I have the tenth main episode and one side quest episode um, largely finished. Need, just need to get the covers ready and everything. Um, at which point I will be out. Let's say about thirty percent through the fifth book for material. Eh. Okay, well, yes, anyway, the series is Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, Michael Yarimizu, available on Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, Amazon. Um, let's see, I'm working with my father to put out some of the, uh, the actual individual episodes out in print instead of collections. <laughs> Just because uh, he has an idea of uh, trying to get them onto the shelves of some of the local bookstores back home. Not a bad idea, huh? Yeah, not a bad idea at all. It's just not one that I've been able to really work with, considering I'm like five thousand miles away from some. Yeah, no, fully understandable. But if you've got a local partner to help you. <laughs> so, um, yep, there are let's see nine episodes, two side quests, and a what he what he was calling tenth princess book. It's the fourth paperback book, and it is long. Uh, Definitely a fun. book. It's definitely a book, yes. And so um, I'm hoping that he leaves some thoughts and comments on some of these sometime in the form of reviews or just stars on it. Just because I need all the feedback I can get. Yeah. And some, you could join too if you check, like, for no additional charge if you have people unlimited. <laughs> yes. Please, please, check them out. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, give that a look. Will, do you got anything to plug? Uh, check out uh, the RP Gamer Twitch on Sunday night, where we do Sunday Night Neptunia and uh, adjacent games. Uh, Will's most recent escapade was like realizing that he'd once again failed to read the tutorial of Super Neptunia. Yes, yes, but that's that's the one I've been playing only recently because I keep getting stuck in the PS5 game and. I'm sick of it. So I will probably keep playing Super Neptunia RPG for a while. And usually after that, we go over to my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Wheels, and play some Street Fighter. Although per uh, viewer and mod on my Twitch channel, Pew's suggestion, we will probably do a uh, Smash Brothers type stream in the near future as well. So... I guess it's kind of just going to be fighting game Sunday nights, essentially. Fighting game Sundays. Yes. Fighting, fighting, fighting. It's fine by me, because maybe we can play something where I can win a little bit. You won a few matches. 
Yeah, it's just a few. Yeah. So yeah, that's every Sunday. I usually around nine Pacific, midnight Eastern. Uh, let's see. Uh, as for me, uh, let's see. Uh, I will. By the time this goes up. Probably have been on another back point. Uh so keep your eyes peeled for that. Nice. Uh, oh, and I, I was just on know. a backtrack for um, which one call it? Mario and Rabbids Battle Kingdom. Kingdom uh, Battle. Kingdom Battle. Close enough. <laughs> one of those uh -huh. games that you would never think should exist, and yet it. Somehow or be works. good. Or be good. Yeah. <laughs> get hype for the sequel. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's like I've heard it. What was it described as XCOM for cartoons? Yeah, like yeah. That's, that's a fair way to put it. It's really, really good. It's really good. And it has no right to be. It's just bafflingly so. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, my other plug would be. Uh, on uh, last week's episode, that hasn't been up yet. Uh, I started a Patreon about a week or so, week or so ago. I've got about yeah, five or six little, like, thousand-ish word essays on there about whatever was on my mind at the time. Uh, you can read those for free. Nothing is actually locked behind Patreon. But if you want to throw me a bone and send some money my way, you can do that. The incredibly bad URL that happened because I was like, I don't know how to name things is patreon.com slash game culture study. All one word, no capitals, all that shit. Uh, and it's basically, it's it's the sort of thing that uh, is mostly just self-indulgent chin stroking. But if that's your, not, that has to be the audience of at least a few of you because of how often that I am not told to shut the hell up during this very podcast, so... Give it a look if you're interested. Um, uh, yeah, otherwise, I think that ends our show. Yep. So, uh, oh, no, wait. There's still one more thing to plug, which is you should ask us questions. Yes, please. Uh, please those can go, as has been evidenced by this very podcast, those can go in the comments section of a recent episode, or they can go in... Uh, the podcast section of the Discord, which you can get to by accessing the community part of the RP Game Room uh, website, or you can ask them in the uh, the Twitch chat comment, which uh, for twitch.tv slash RP Game We are hardly the only ones streaming. There's all sorts of things you can be watching just about any time of the week if you're willing to look. Uh, but if you want to watch us, we are usually on around 8.30 Pacific on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. See ya. Kid, I thought I'd save the world Running around and chasing all the criminals Swinging on a web, flying in the sky Shooting lasers from my